Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thank you for joining us. And as always, I'd like to welcome all you new listeners out there. Okay. My guest today is the director of the Philadelphia Argentine Tango School. She started dancing tango in 1999, and as it inevitably took over her life, she eventually left her job and moved to Buenos Aires, where she stayed for three years. In 2006, she began working with Andres Amarilla, and since then she has traveled the world teaching and performing. Today's guest is also the director of the Philly Tango Fest and hosts the radio show Tango Stories, which airs every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. And later on in the show, we'll let you know where you can listen to her program. And with me now is Meredith Klein. Meredith, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Joe. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Meredith, what is, uh, what's the first tango-related thing you did today? Today, I am organizing my fifth trip to Buenos Aires in awesome. April, and I'm very overdue with sending out a big, big email mm-hmm. about all the great things about it. So I worked the first part of the day on preparing that and got myself all psyched up and hopefully um, lots of people also. In fact, we already have a lot of people registered, even though this email is far overdue. Okay, so great. I think it's all going well. Nice, nice. All right, so let's 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 take us back in time a little bit. How how did how did you fall in love with tango? Well, my first exposure to tango was back in '97 or '6 mm-hmm. when I was finishing a degree in music theory at mm-hmm. Amherst College, uh-huh. and my degree was in analyzing and writing about music. Mm. Even though I played and sang music, but the degree was about analysis and theory. But other people in my department obviously were composing and a friend started Mm. composing tangos. I don't even know how he had this idea to compose tangos, but he did. He composed like a piano trio tango. And I assume he didn't know much about tango beforehand either. And he said, we need to go to a tango class and find out what it's about. (laughs) And I said, awesome. So, you know, there wasn't much, tango was not as big and pervasive and there were not as many opportunities mm. at all for tango in the U.S. back in 96, 97, whenever yeah. this was. But it turned out that a guy named Walter Zielinski was giving a workshop in Northampton, Massachusetts, mm. just nine miles away from our school. And we actually went and took the workshop and we both fell head over heels in love wow. with Walter Zielinski. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> he was amazing. And I remember the first time that he took me in in his arms and he started started leading this like crazy archaic uh, milonga step, uh-huh. which is kind of like an amaka, but then it develops into um, like each person ganshuing the other one by one by one. Oh, and, no. you know, his lead was so compelling that without any experience at all, I followed it. And all of a mm. sudden my legs were ganshuing this like really attractive Argentine man. And I was like, <laughs> I'm hooked. Wow. Literally. Um, <laughs> exactly. So time passed. I finished my degree. I tried to figure out, you know, how to start getting on in the world. It was all very absorbing. Mm -hmm. But then two years later in 99, Mm -hmm. a friend started taking tango lessons regularly. Mm -hmm. And when he told me about it, I just felt this stab of envy. I was like, I want to do that. And he's Uh, like, well, do it. So for me, that was the real beginning. And I've been dancing since then. So it'll be 20 years this January. Excellent. Yeah, so when you when you started your first tango lessons, when you first started taking the classes regularly, did the dance come easily to you? In some ways it it seemed to mm-hmm. because I was 
dancing from the beginning. I was going to milongas and I was out there dancing. Mm -hmm. But the instruction, either the instruction I was getting had hardly any structure of tango in it, or I wasn't able to take that information in Mm -hmm. one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But I danced for six years Mm-hmm. with very little structure and always seeking more, seeking more experiences, seeking more emotion. Like mm-hmm. I was really into it from the perspective of emotion and connection, but very basic things about the dance were eluding me until I went to visit Buenos Aires for the first time oh. in 2005. So six years later, six mm-hmm. years. <laughs> wow. And I met Andres, Andres Amarillo, who became mm-hmm. my dance partner, who um, started teaching me tango structure from the beginning. Wow. Everything from parallel and cross system to what the basic step is to the cross basic step and basically showed me how those you know very basics uh, those basics can become a roadmap that yields every other possibility and Mm. every other step that Mm. exists or that could exist Mm. and he showed me the the options the possibilities that had been there you know that were figured out by the 90s and then he showed me how in the 90s a, a new way of analyzing and thinking about the dance Mm -hmm. built on those original possibilities and yielded an infinite number more. Mm -hmm. And that presentation, all of it was extremely compelling. I felt like I finally had a ground underneath me, Mm -hmm. a ground to inform my dance, my my leading, my following, and eventually teaching. Okay. So I was just like the most grateful person on earth. (laughs) And I don't know if other people had tried to teach me parts of this. I mean, Mm -hmm. they had, but I, somehow I needed um, the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was uh, what really grounded it was from the beginning, Andres taught me his notation system for tango, which he had already been working with for 10 years by then. Mm. And I've always been someone who really takes in information by writing it. Okay. And then by seeing it on the written page or or now, you know, for the past 20 years, seeing it on the typed page, mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing it on the computer screen, but I, I need writing, I need notation. And so having that grounded and allowed me to remember and start building on all the information in a way that I hadn't before. Mm. So that was really transformative. Yeah. Nice. And I still use the the notation. We've taught the notation system together a lot. And I still, you know, when I make a class plan, I a lot of the stuff that I write uh, that I plan to do I mm-hmm. write in the notation system and it, for me it's the easiest way to you know remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so with regards to your notation system when you when a student learns a new step uh, do they do they write a really detailed description of it or you know can you tell us a little bit how that works? So it's so it's Andres's system and okay. we've taught it together and basically it is based on the fact that Every step in tango is either forward, side, or back. Right. And that it can be a simple forward, side, or back step, mm-hmm. or it can be modified by some sort of, we call it adjective. So it could be a forward step that is done as a staccata, uh-huh. or a forward step that is done around my axis. Oh, yeah, that's a boleo. Or it could be, yeah, so, um, or a forward step that is done um, as close to my standing leg as possible, and that's a forward cross. Mm. So, um, so, every step that I'm dancing can be written as forward, side, or back, Mm -hmm. and then modified with an adjective if necessary. And that can be written above or below the uh, the partner step, which similarly is forward, side, or back, and with or without an adjective. Mm -hmm. So that can be written in a timeline from left to right. Mm -hmm. Um, So very often when I write, I like to do it in an Excel spreadsheet and put the counts of a phrase, one through eight above, Mm -hmm. and then I can put everything in its box to remember how I intend for it to play out. 
because it's different to do a forward staccato on count four of a phrase, which is generally uh, a weaker beat mm -hmm. than it is to do on five, which mm. is the culmination, the center of the phrase. Usually there's a bigger accent in the music there and to put a stronger element like a gancho or a staccato or a colgata, whatever, usually it makes more sense there. So okay. to be able to put it in, in the musical phrase, to be able to line it up, you know, what happens with what, because mm -hmm. that synchronicity, that absolute synchronicity, like mm -hmm. we finish this movement at the same time, um, is so crucial to tango working. Mm -hmm. And then to define whether it's in parallel or cross system. Mm -hmm. And usually we specify, usually at the beginning of a phrase, we'll put whether it's in parallel or cross system and which leg the leader is using, mm -hmm. which implies which leg then the follower is using. Ah. So if it's parallel system, if the leader is using his left, the follower is using her right. Mm -hmm. Or if it's cross system and the leader is using his left, the follower is using her left. Mm -hmm. And then when you read it left to right, like musical notation, uh -huh. you can uh, deduce which leg each person's using because they unless it's a ballet or gancho or other mm -hmm. movement without a step, the system will stay consistent mm -hmm. and each pl each partner will move from their left to the right naturally like walking. Ah. Okay. But if it gets really complicated mm -hmm. and you want to you know, you want to put a marker in to remind you that this is cross system mm -hmm. with the leader's right in the middle of the phrase, you can totally do that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, we're able to account for everything we need to mm -hmm. to um, remember the musicality that we intend mm -hmm. and the steps that we've chosen for leader and follower and how they come together mm -hmm. um, with the system nice yeah it so, sounds like a really yeah, like a, a really good organized way to organized figure way out a new step or to organize your thoughts so that you know as you know totally. a lot of yeah a lot of students get really frustrated like oh my gosh but well hey take a look here's what we're doing and it's all based on those fundamentals totally. yeah yeah. Totally. And then also, you know, sometimes when you dance something or create something, mm -hmm. you're not exactly sure what the coincidence is. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, if you want me to gancho your leg on the downbeat, mm -hmm. you might find that you need to arrive a quarter beat early. Uh -huh. you, you might need to step near, near my standing leg a quarter beat early so mm -hmm. that my gancho really is on the accent of mm -hmm. the downbeat. Mm -hmm. um, so when you have to write things you have to ask yourself those questions mm -hmm. and it really helps to articulate and get into specifics mm -hmm. that otherwise might remain murky without our even realizing it ah. so anyways the whole thing is called the code the code and okay. uh, we've taught it in a bunch of bunch of seminars okay so what was your very first time at a malanga like all I remember is being enchanted for one. Mm -hmm. I think I remember that the song Tango de Evora was on, oh, okay. an alternative tango song. And I yeah. remember being enchanted by a couple in mm -hmm. which the woman seemed to always be in a volcata, always falling mm -hmm. like perpetually for the whole dance. <laughs> and she kept throwing her arm up dramatically as she fell, which she could do because she was totally supported on his chest. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just like mesmerized by oh. this view of tango and I probably like spent years leaning on my leaders and <laughs> falling around as a result before I figured it out yes. so that probably isn't good mm. but yeah I mean I still remember some of the people who were mm. in the room and yeah. it's true it's an amazing thing when you see tango danced yeah in a social environment with a lot of people mm -hmm. and you just start you I think very often you immediately get a sense that there's a lot more that you're not able to see yet. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just so after six just years after six you said years, you went to Buenos Aires for the first time. So what was your experience in BA like the first time you went? 
It was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. And it seemed like it was going to be a total disaster. So I arrived on January 3rd, 2005. Mm. Okay. And on, I believe, December 29th or 30th, there had been the worst nightclub disaster in probably Argentine history, the Mm. Cro-Magnon fire, where over 200 young people were killed due to pyrotechnics Mm -hmm. in a club and the emergency exits being padlocked from the outside Mm -hmm. and just this like horrific, horrific uh, disaster. And the, um, the city responded by closing down every single dance venue as if they were all the same. So as if our very well-behaved milongas were Mm -hmm. the same as pyrotechnic rock shows. (laughs) (laughs) And so within Basically, literally the very day that I arrived, mm-hmm. um, the city made all dance venues illegal. Oh, my goodness. So you imagine, I've been dancing for six years. Mm-hmm. Finally, I get to Buenos Aires. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I had gone from the New England winter. It was a terrible winter in New England mm-hmm. to the paradise, relative paradise of summer in Buenos Aires, like <laughs> 95 degrees, humid. It felt amazing after the winter. I was ready for everything and anything that could happen. Mm-hmm. And then there was no tango. So amazing. Did, so, but, so but, you, but you said it was a, an amazing experience. So how did it turn around for you? Initially, I thought the turnaround would be the fact that the government hadn't figured out that practicas were the same as milongas, essentially, oh, that a okay. practica was also a social dance. So mm-hmm. I was going to the practicas and having just an amazing, just the most wonderful time. I, I really thought I had gone to heaven. And that lasted for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then the, gov- the inspectors figured it out and they also shut down all the practicas. Oh, so then what started to happen, so luck- I, I was lucky I'd had those few days because, mm-hmm. you know, how sometimes when you're new in a place and all the stars align, mm-hmm. you know, you by then I knew dozens and dozens of people. Somehow I just made all these really quick connections and mm-hmm. a, very, a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like all the stars were aligning. And so, and this was, you know, this was before Facebook and everything. It yeah, was before, yeah. it was before there was really a Milonga calendar online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was much harder to get information. Right. But luckily I'd met people and whether it was by phone or email, I don't remember, um, Mm. we started to hear about all the private parties that were being organized. Mm. So there was a whole network of private parties that started to show up around Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. Um, Arthur Newman from Seattle organized these amazing parties in his gorgeous rented apartment Mm. on Avenida de Macho in the building with the cupola that was, had been famous for tango already for years. Uh, there was one outdoor milonga called La Calacita that mm-hmm. happened out in the Bosque de Palermo, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And my friends started a very clandestine um, little practica in the 6,000, the 5,900, the 6,000 block of Córdoba mm-hmm. okay. in a real fire trap warehouse. Wow. Wow. So between those places and maybe a couple more, we were able to dance every night. And what was amazing about those places was that that they were essentially the only places you could dance. Mm-hmm. So there was no longer a division between where the young people like to go, where mm-hmm. the older milongueros like to go. You know, all, all of people's patterns and habits were all thrown upside down oh, and yeah. everybody was there packed together in these spaces. Wow. So I remember a milonga that usually happened on Saturday night, I can't remember where, possibly in Cunning, maybe mm-hmm. I never knew, moved to Vija Malcolm. Mm. because the milonga organizers had realized that the government didn't you know, didn't yet know that the practicas the practica spaces were really hosting 
essentially milongas. Oh. They thought they were classes. <laughs> so one of the milongas relocated to a practica space. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the performance, the inspectors came and shut it down. Oh. And they turned off, they made them turn off the music and mm. the dancers continued and finished the performance in silence. Oh. And then every, and then afterward, everybody said, we're going to cut the road. We're going to cut the road. Mm. And I'd only been in Argentina four days. I had no idea what that could possibly mean. Mm -hmm. Cut the road. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It turns out we, we were going to protest in the middle of Cordoba and shut it down. Oh. And we did. We went right out. And I remember Carlos Gavito there in the middle of everything, mm -hmm. you know, encouraging everybody to create a ronda and guiding what we were what we were supposed to sing. So there'd be music to dance to and finding the foreigners and putting them out in front of the TV cameras so that all of Argentina could see that, you know, all these people who traveled across the world to dance mm -hmm. and the fact that the milongas were shut down and mm -hmm. So it, in in that experience and lots of other ones, I feel like I saw this amazing cross-section of what was going on in tango at that moment in mm -hmm. Buenos Aires mm -hmm. in a way that I wouldn't if the scene had been normal. Yeah, that was that's really cool how you got to experience it in this sort of underground setting. I bet you got to you know meet people or get to know people in ways that might not have otherwise had a regular malanga. Yeah, I really think so. And most of those people I still know today and many have come and taught at my school in Philadelphia. That's and great. it was just, I don't know, sometimes sometimes you have a really amazing trip. Mm -hmm. Sometimes of, of, uh, uh, you travel and it's just good or great or whatever, yeah. but sometimes it just feels like all the stars align and mm -hmm. there's magic around yeah. every corner at every moment. And that's really what happened for those, those three and a half weeks for me. Okay, great. Yeah. So during that time, you know, when all the clubs were shut down to this day, are there still, I guess, malangas that maybe were f that were created during that difficult time that still continue that were that were sort of born from that? Well, I think it really helped feed the growth of the practicas, which okay. were still pretty new back then, oh, like okay. um, like Vija Malcolm on Monday's mm -hmm. uh, El Motivo that Luc Luciana Vache had started with friends. Mm -hmm. And I know that my friend Gabby Glagowski, who was mm -hmm. running the, uh, he founded an organization called Tango Cool. Mm -hmm. They had run the Galpon, the warehouse practica that just okay. cost three pesos or two pesos. I think it was <laughs> nice. two pesos that took place mm -hmm. in the, the fire trap warehouse mm -hmm. in the 6,000 block of Cordoba. Okay. And um, he organized Tango Cool for, um, I don't know, five to 10 years okay. before he gave it up to just travel full time to teach. I see. So yeah, that's one one concrete tango organization that was born from that time, and I'm mm -hmm. sure that he could travel to teach in in part based on all the um, connections he made mm -hmm. during the Milonga closures and then after as as um, the organizer of Tango Cool. Yeah. So you'd mentioned that you had met Andres while you were in Argentina. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how you became a teacher? Yeah. When I went to Argentina for the first time, I was kind of shopping for a new place to live. Mm -hmm. And I had decided uh, to leave Boston, where I was living at the time, mm -hmm. to move to San Francisco because San Francisco, I think, was the most exciting tango scene in the country at that time. Okay. So that was my plan. I had given notice. I was a director of development for a youth arts nonprofit in Boston, mm. okay. a really wonderful place called Raw Artworks. Mm. It took a while to figure out what I was going to do with my music theory degree, which mm. was there was like nothing to do with it, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but I had, uh, after going through a bunch of things, I had fallen into being a nonprofit fundraiser and especially grant writer. Mm -hmm. 
And I'd had that career for six years and worked with a lot of amazing organizations as Mm -hmm. well as the one that I was inside as the director of development. So I had already given notice there and I had a, a house and I had put it on the market and I went to Buenos Aires, which was supposed to be kind of just a, an experience, a diversion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I walked into the first practica that I went to and I said, what was I thinking? Like, why would I ever go to San Francisco when I could go here? Oh. This is where basically for the, basically the moment I saw the dance floor at Vision Malcolm for the first mm-hmm. time, I said, I, I'm moving here. <laughs> and then it was pretty much instantaneous. And mm-hmm. then. In the three weeks that followed, I just became more sure. So mm-hmm. I had already set things in motion for a move, and I I got back to the U.S. and I finished everything up, and I mm-hmm. sold my house, and I put you know the few things I kept in storage, and um, in early April I moved to Buenos Aires. Wow! And I lived there for three years mm-hmm. until March of 2008. Mm-hmm. So I immediately started. Um, practicing with Andres and you know I continued learning from Andres and I just really felt like he was such an amazing resource Mm -hmm. but Andres like many people um, especially at that time couldn't figure out you know how to get to the U.S. to teach because it was it's really hard to figure out how there there are visa programs the the P3 artist visa is Mm -hmm. is amazing and how you know many not just tango dancers Mm -hmm. and not just tango musicians but anyone who's an expert in a culturally specific art form Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world can apply for this visa and very often get it but even though that exists Mm -hmm. you know you need to know a lawyer and you need to speak speak English to some extent in order mm-hmm. to be able to navigate this whole process, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of paperwork and getting, you know, all the proof together about mm-hmm. the things you've done in, in Tango. I imagine it's a little bit easier now that everything's documented on Facebook and the web and you can yeah. just go print stuff out. <laughs> yep. But back then, you know, yeah. it was like trying to find a lot of random flyers from yeah. things that happened 12 years ago and it mm-hmm. was all harder. So I immediately started working on helping him with that and within... I don't know, within, but I think by December, he had mm. a visa and okay. we came to the U.S. In in my efforts to help him with all of that, mm-hmm. you know, I became his dance partner and we, and I scheduled a first tour for us, which we completed between January and August mm. 2006, mm-hmm. going to 23 different cities. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. And now you, you are the director of the Philadelphia Argentine Tango School. Can you tell us how you started how you started the Tango School? Well, we traveled half a year mm-hmm. for three years and it was like the realization of a fantasy I didn't even know I had, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to go all, all over the US and then all over the world mm-hmm. teaching and meeting people and having these varied experiences and mm-hmm. you know, from Australia to Turkey to Brazil to Poland to I've always loved to travel and mm-hmm. it was it was just so incredibly fascinating. But the way that you put out energy when you go to a different city every week, mm-hmm. the way that, you know, t- to develop new relationships and give to a new group of students mm-hmm. and on and on and on, I, I started to feel like I had a limited amount of that energy. Like at some yeah. point it was going to go, you know, mm-hmm. and I started to long to build something that would last at least a little while. At the same time, when Andres entered the U.S. once, an immigration official stamped the wrong thing in his passport, and it looked like he'd been out longer than he was supposed to have been out. And we called the lawyer, and she's like, Mm. you know, yeah, it's not fair, but there's no way to appeal that. You Mm. guys really need to go live in the U.S. for a a few years and get everything squared away for Andres. 
um, we were married by then, mm-hmm. and he could get a visa. He could get a, a green card and, mm-hmm. and a passport eventually. Yeah. She said, just do that. And then if you guys want to live in Buenos Aires again or whatever you want to do, you have all those options available to you. Mm-hmm. And so we started looking for somewhere to set down roots just for two years was yeah. the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had grandparents in their 90s mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And Philadelphia is a huge city and right. it had tango, but it felt like it could it could still have more tango. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be near my grandparents and to, you know, find a fertile environment for building new students and, mm-hmm. you know, helping expand the tango community, we chose Philadelphia. Nice. nice. It turns out that once you've invested two to three years in something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's like you have a lot of lifeblood in it and yeah. it it's pretty compelling to mm-hmm. to keep it going and that's where i felt i was yeah. after two to three years great. great at the same time andres and i were no longer eventually we got a divorce and mm-hmm. uh, we still work together actually mm-hmm. we we came through every every <laughs> relationship wow. stage wow. and now mm-hmm. now we still work together okay. um but i really felt like what we and i had built here in philadelphia was was special and was worth mm-hmm. um, continuing yeah yeah, quite an adventurous life you've had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, think that's all I wanted was an adventure yeah. at some level. Yeah. And, and to survive it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Not an adventure that would kill me, but. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. For me, that would be like the worst thing would be to get to the end of life and not look back on adventures. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I want to change gears a little bit, Meredith, to uh, turning yes. points in our, in our learning. So. What's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten over the course of your learning uh, that really, really stuck with you? Mm, yeah. I mean, I already mentioned starting to learn with Andres and, mm-hmm. and learn how to write things, yeah. which clarified so many things in my mind. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it helped me go from a follower who just, from you know, dancing the follower's role in a way that was not just reactive and responsive, but that mm-hmm. was informed. So that instead of just doing the forward step that would receive a cicada, mm-hmm. that I would know that he was trying to enter my forward step with a cicada. Mm-hmm. And there were all sorts of things I could do to make that movement work better as a result. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I find. That's what I try to instill in my students and what I still try to cultivate in, in myself is mm-hmm. that knowledge in the moment, mm-hmm. um, which is really amazing when you think about it, because yeah. we're, we're giving and receiving proposals mm-hmm. and acting on them in, in nanoseconds, right? Yeah. Like every time I really think about it, it's like, this is amazing that this works, you know? <laughs> yeah. But really our dance is so much richer when, e- even if it's just like as a, as a basic exercise in this, just to be saying what kind of step I'm doing to myself. This is mm. a forward step. This is a side step. Aha, this must be a back step now because, you know, because I'm continuing the pattern of the turn. So mm. I, I had danced in a way that was very unconscious mm. and very emotional and reactive and instinctive and intuitive for six years. But I came from a very academic background. I mean, mm-hmm. what I was interested in was studying music theory, you know, not mm-hmm. even performing music, but the theory of, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. analyzing chords and writing down what they were. So when I was able to start taking that you know, more informed approach to tango, it, it transformed everything mm-hmm. for me. And it, mm-hmm. it made it possible for me to never get bored in tango mm-hmm. and, you know, want to be involved in it so far for 20 years. And it doesn't feel like that desire is waning. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm really lucky that at the school here, I 
sponsor visas for many, many different artists who come here to teach for one month residencies. I see. So, for example, actually, while we talk, I'll open my computer because I won't even remember all the people who've been here this year <laughs> unless I look at a list. Right. It's yeah. so, it's mm -hmm. so great. So far this year, mm -hmm. we started the year with Angeles Chanyaha. Mm. Do you know who she is? She's an amazing, amazing. No, um, I don't think I've heard of her yet. Female but, dancer and teacher and her great. partner, Christian Velasquez. Mm -hmm. And then Andres was here with me for months. Nice. Um, and during that time, we do a New York invades Philly and Philly invades New York <laughs> thing, which brought Adam and Chico here for mm -hmm. a weekend and yeah. also Robin Thomas. Nice. And then Andres and I went to New York to, to teach and perform as the, the mm -hmm. um, component part of that. We had... Uh, a new couple for us, Marcela Trappe is an amazing mm. teacher of body awareness. Okay. So if people listen, for example, to my Tango radio show, which is mm -hmm. called Tango Stories right, right. on Usala Radio, mm -hmm. um, I just did a wonderful interview with Marcela and her partner, Mario, mm -hmm. where she explains how she... Um, how she went from a, a student and then graduate of a really rigorous classical ballet school mm -hmm. through studying every kind of contemporary dance mm -hmm. and uh, stretching through biomechanics and mm -hmm. uh, every kind of contemporary dance and uh, created a, a system mm -hmm. that helps people use their bodies better, which is yeah. called body awareness. And she uses it both with tango dancers mm -hmm. and with all sorts of other people who dance all, all sorts of other nice. um, genres of yeah. dance. Um, so that was really special to have them here mm -hmm. in April. We had Augustine, and, Augustine Venturino and Natalia Aguero, mm -hmm. who are young dancers from uh, La Plata, Argentina. Mm -hmm. And they're um, my co-guides for the tour that, I'm, that we're organizing mm -hmm. to Buenos Aires and also La Plata in okay. April 2019. Wow. So in Buenos Aires, we're doing all the things you could imagine, going mm -hmm. to milongas, studying with amazing teachers, right, right. this and that. And then in La Plata, we're going to the La Plata Baila Tango Festival, mm -hmm. which is absolutely amazing. The tango community is a university town. Okay. The place is a university town, and, and um, the university itself there has a four-year degree program in tango. Oh, wow. And the way wow. they approach tango is like really modern and brilliant. They teach people to lead and follow from the mm -hmm. beginning, okay. and they teach a lot about dialogue inside the lead and follow mm -hmm. um, relationship. Nice. So when I, when I went there and I was just dancing in the regular milonga, I felt so listened to by the people I was dancing mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And it's also such an open place without knowing who I was or if mm -hmm. I could dance. People just kept running up to me and asking mm -hmm. me to dance. You know, great. as soon as a tanda started, there was another partner. And the, t the scene is very young, mm -hmm. but really there's people of all ages. Yeah. So we're really excited to take people to their tango festival, nice, which has nice. like 1,200 people in the, each milonga. That's excellent. Wow. Yeah. And it features, at least on the last night, it features mm -hmm. one of the most amazing things I've ever heard or seen video of in tango, mm -hmm. which is a Darienzo off, oh, a competition off. Okay. between La Juan Darienzo okay. and Los Reyes del Tango. So you, oh. the two the two biggest Darienzo style orchestras okay. playing now, um, and they're on two separate stages okay. at opposite ends of the most enormous hall. Nice, it's like competing, a bat dueling, of the tango bands. Battle of the Darienzos, okay, yeah. Great. It's and then at the end it culminates when they play together. So I'm just super psyched about nice. that. Then later in the year, we had, mm -hmm. uh, well, we had our, our festival, which was amazing, which happens mm -hmm. Memorial Day weekend. Right, right. And we were able to bring Gustavo Nevera and Giselan, 
Mm. Fabian Salas and Lola Diaz, and then uh, a bunch of other teachers, Jake Spatz and Dasha Kripkova, Ramu Peretti, Adam and Chico came back for that. And so that was really amazing. And then in the summer, we had Carla Marano and Octavio Fernandez, who are two of the the greatest teachers alive today, really. And then right now I have Matias Fascio at okay. the school and i just can't say enough great things about him <laughs> that's great so so the the bottom line is that you know by being able to bring people here and by the community supporting mm-hmm. that you know in classes workshops private lessons mm-hmm. you know coming out to meet them see them perform all that i'm able to to keep getting a cross section of what i think are some of the mm-hmm. really the greatest dancers and thinkers about tango mm-hmm. coming through so that my perspective is always continually enriched yeah. you know it never stops yeah. um and just in the past two weeks that i've had matthias here i've learned so much from him mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned uh, you know uh, in, in buenos aires right. is that you know there's a whole four-year program there's four-year lots of young program. people so i think in here in the u.s one of the biggest challenges for a lot of us teachers and organizers is is how to make tango more accessible because there's often yeah. this this view, you know, this I guess unfair view I think of tango as being kind of stuffy or being too exotic. Yeah, yeah. but how do we how do we make it more accessible? Or, or what are some ways that you've found that that work? Well, I think a lo- I think a lot of people are doing a lot of exciting things mm-hmm. to combat that, and I think that what you just said is less true now than it was ten years ago, yeah. which means everything is moving, everything is kind of opening up and mm. moving in the right direction. And Good. and part of that, I want to talk about what's happening in the U.S., but I mm-hmm. would also say part of that is that the perceptions of tango and the mm-hmm. The, the feeling that people have about tango has changed enormously in mm-hmm. Argentina mm-hmm. and in Buenos Aires. Okay. So in 2005, when I first went there, mm-hmm. you know, people constantly ask you why you're there if you're a foreigner. Mm-hmm. And anytime I told a non-tango person that I was there for tango, they would roll their eyes or kind of <laughs> laugh a little bit like, uh-huh. well, that's weird, you know, mm-hmm. like what? It's like the tango, you know, but the idea was tango's from the past you know my grandparents mm. danced tango mm-hmm. it's not it has nothing to do with me or my life today or what my friends and i are interested in mm-hmm. you know that was yeah it was that attitude was pervasive mm-hmm. and but right around then you know the electronic tango bands were becoming really popular and so mm-hmm. that music was being heard in as um, as like ambiance music okay in restaurants and public spaces throughout the world mm-hmm. including in buenos aires but really throughout the world mm-hmm. i i think that was actually a big part of it it's somehow somehow somewhere in there mm-hmm. normal uh, buenos aires residents started to see tango being seen mm-hmm. as something no longer completely stuffy and uncool ah. they they started to see other you know um, electronic tango was just way more easy to listen to for mm-hmm. people with no tango background right and it fulfilled a need in the rest of the world, which was like ambiance music for your event or space um, mm. that sounds cool. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that and then the growing, the growing number of dancers who were able to create careers abroad mm-hmm. and people's, people gaining more and more awareness of the fact that that happened and then seeing all of these tourists start mm. to come to Buenos Aires mm. um, in order to study and dance. Back in 2005, it was still pretty close to the economic collapse of 2001. And so pretty much the city was still dirt cheap Mm -hmm. for foreigners. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, foreigners weren't just there for one or two or three weeks. There were a lot of us living there. And so Argentines were coming into contact more and more 
or with tango dancers. And a lot of these people were young because mm-hmm. those were the people who didn't have families and established mm-hmm. careers for the most part and were able to escape their normal lives um, <laughs> yeah. for, for six months or a year or long enough for, you know, normal Argentines to mm-hmm. lots of normal Argentines to come in, in contact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think that the, the attitudes there shifted first. And mm-hmm. now what's happened in the past 10 years is that mm-hmm. now you have really exciting tango events and communities Mm -hmm. throughout Argentina outside of Buenos Aires. Uh And that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, that pretty much didn't exist at all. There was Buenos Aires and then there was the rest of the tango world, Mm -hmm. you know, in in capitals that we all know of, like New York and Istanbul and Mm -hmm. um, Berlin and wherever else. And then in really surprising places like Mm -hmm. Eugene, Oregon, a town of 60,000 people, which had a great tango organization that had succeeded in introducing 5% of the population to tango. Mm. (laughs) It's like, wow, (laughs) that's amazing, you know? So I actually think that the the change of attitudes about tango in Buenos Aires was was part of it. Mm -hmm. And then here in the U.S., I don't know. We do everything we can think of, right? We're part of a really exciting neighborhood here Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, which is called Fishtown. Mm. It was called the hottest neighborhood in the country by Forbes magazine in May May of this year. Oh, nice. Which is amazing because when I bought the building here Mm -hmm. to put the tango school here nine years ago, everybody said, you're crazy. No one's going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) And so for the past nine years, we've uh the well the the neighborhood has a first friday event where all of the businesses and galleries and everything open up their doors and invite people in for free Mm -hmm. so we've been doing that for the past nine years and that's generated really a huge amount of traffic Mm -hmm. for a a, a free beginner class and now we have a beginner practica after it and then after many years of offering beginner intensives on the weekend Mm -hmm. which were good for the school, like it convened usually a big group together, made good money for the teachers. Um, It was all very like compact in these weekends. Mm -hmm. But I started to see that people had trouble going from the weekend to either another weekend or to ongoing classes because they would learn so much. And then once you've learned it a lot Mm -hmm. and then you feel the information to leave you, somehow it feels really overwhelming to get back in. Right. I started to see that dynamic. So mm-hmm. for the past two or two and a half years, or even mm-hmm. three, somewhere there, uh, we've still offered the intensives because mm-hmm. they're good for some people's schedules, but yeah. we also offer weekly $10 beginner classes nice. that people can st- start anytime. And mm-hmm. they're just supposed to do eight weeks before they go on to the, the next level. Mm-hmm. So basically the flexibility and the feeling that the door is always open, right. that there's yeah. somewhere to go every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's somewhere to go every month to get a free class. Mm-hmm. And then also trying to incorporate like this beginner practica, trying to find ways to make social dancing less scary. Yeah. To yeah. offer beginner focused classes and beginner focused uh, social dance right. possibilities like practicas or milongas yeah. or whatever. And then really using all of the modern tools to the extent possible mm-hmm. to show tango in a way that makes it look exciting. Mm-hmm. After doing all my graphic design myself for many years mm-hmm. um for example i hired veronica kruta who oh, yeah. runs oh, yeah. the uh buena onda tango festival or mm-hmm. tango experience or whatever whatever it is tango mm-hmm. marathon <laughs> yeah, yeah. in uh, in western mass mm-hmm. um and she did a postcard for our festival last mm-hmm. year and she just did a logo for a concert series i'm starting and and she's really good at making things look mm-hmm. edgy and fresh and very modern mm-hmm. 
So now I realize how much that edge helps, mm. you know, how much I can then use that to give people a sense of, of increased energy, like, mm. oh, wow, this is going to be fun yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, from the beginning, yeah. like how really valuable that mm. is. And similarly, Agustin that I've already mentioned, mm -hmm. who's uh, that I'm guiding the, the trip with, he's an amazing videographer. So yes. I had him make some really compelling, yeah, you know, get excited for the festival videos mm -hmm. last year. And I really credit, like, and I told him like what kind of vibe I wanted to create, which is basically when our festival's at its best, mm -hmm. it just feels like everybody's kind of in a shared. Uh, some sort of shared drug high almost for four <laughs> days, you know, yeah. like so many good things are going on and mm -hmm. it's so elevating and yeah. it's so inspiring to reconnect with connect and reconnect with mm -hmm. all of these people. And you have so many wonderful dances and you get so inspired and you learn so many great things that mm -hmm. it's just, you, it just puts you into an altered state. Mm -hmm. So I told him that and he created videos that kind of make you feel like that. Mm, great. <laughs> and so I think using modern media, that's right there in mm -hmm. front of us, like finding ways to maximize that to help people feel what tango can be mm -hmm. is is the antidote to it seeming like it's from the past and it's stuffy mm -hmm. and it doesn't change and it's yeah, all old yeah. people or, right. or whatever that right. was, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, I definitely remember a time in tango when it was like, oh, my God, someone under 30 came. Yay! <laughs> yeah. um, but it's very much not what we see here now. We, yeah. we have students from age ado adolescence mm -hmm. to we have multiple students in their 80s. Nice. So it's yeah. and we really like that. Um, that diversity means a lot to me personally. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I celebrate it. Like yeah. when I see people kind of become a, a tango partnership, you know, that likes to take workshops together or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one is a 25 year, 25 year old Brazilian guy. And mm -hmm. the other is a 60 some year old grandmother of 11. Wow. I'm just like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, that mm -hmm. it, it just means so much to me to provide a space yeah where people who wouldn't know each other mm -hmm. otherwise yeah. can form meaningful connections that enrich their lives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what is it that you think uh, it is about tango that attracts people from so many different backgrounds and age groups and, and cultures? Well, many things, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I think that right now we are desperate for something that will hold our attention yeah. and keep us from flipping to the next page or checking the other message portion of our device mm. or make us stop ranting about the next horror that we see in the political world or yeah, we're, yeah. we're we're desperate for something that will pull us into the moment and keep mm -hmm. our attention yeah. and tango's the perfect thing mm -hmm. because it doesn't work if you're not focused doesn't work if your mind is split your attention is split you mm -hmm. have to give everything you have to this moment and this person and when you do amazing things happen Mm -hmm. And when you can't, you know, when you can't bring that focus and attention and concentration into the moment, you feel the difference. Yeah. And so it teaches you to to be able to be single pointed mm -hmm. in focus in a kind of a meditative way. Mm -hmm. And it's a meditation or a kind of a meditative mindset yeah. that because of the movement mm -hmm. and also because of the other person there, I think, is easier to maintain. Nice. And on the way, we we find that that kind of concentration mm -hmm. and openness, it probably allows us to develop relationships mm -hmm. with a lot of people we wouldn't have known otherwise. Yeah. I think probably that, that the respect and concentration and focus we have to bring to the tango relationship, mm -hmm. the, the, into the dance, the tanda to make it work. Yeah. I hope that it ha helps us to treat 
the individuals in, in the tango space and mm-hmm. also in the rest of our lives with more of that attention. Yeah. And it often feels like we're losing the battle to right. be, yeah. be able to be in that, to, to, to not be distracted, mm-hmm. to not mm-hmm. always be somewhere different than we are. Yeah. Um, so tango allows us to, to, to be where we are. Absolutely. So in all of your years of teaching, Meredith, what have you learned from your own students? I guess the first thing I learned Mm -hmm. was to try to experience each student's successes Mm -hmm. completely on their own terms. Mm. It's really remarkable how different the pace of learning is. Yeah. And so to be able to see, to really recognize the the tiny things that people gain Mm -hmm. and not be focused on the things that they're not getting or that don't come across or whatever mm-hmm. so to to celebrate the little victories mm-hmm. and then also to to realize that people can gain so much from tango without necessarily progressing in their dance mm-hmm. in a way that i can identify <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's to some extent we can provide the, the the context and we can do our very best to provide great education but we can't mm-hmm. make people learn like right. learning is a is an active process that people undertake on their own and really it requires so much mm-hmm. practice and mm-hmm. so much self teaching outside of the classroom like mm-hmm. using this the using the concepts and tools and exercises and everything that might be given in the classroom but um, it takes so much work out to be a rehashing of that outside yeah. to for it to enter Mm-hmm. the body and become something permanent mm-hmm. and so yeah some people just want to be in class because they enjoy it yeah. you know and they don't want to be in that ongoing forward process mm-hmm. um, and i'm a very ongoing forward process kind of person <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was hard for me not to be disappointed with that right but i think that that it's the reality and there's a lot that people can gain mm-hmm. even without necessarily obviously moving forward all the time right and then again, like to celebrate people's successes or what they're getting out of the classes, what they're mm-hmm. getting out of being involved in tango mm-hmm. on, on their own terms, yeah. um, in terms that are specific to each person, mm-hmm. while still absolutely striving to provide the best, because, because that's my, my personal culture, yeah. to yeah. always be trying to move forward, always mm-hmm. be trying to learn mm-hmm. um, that for me, like, it's not life if it doesn't, if, if that progress isn't there. Yeah. But then also realizing that, that okay, that's how I feel. Right. It's not necessarily the the way of approaching tango or anything else that's that's right mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. Okay, Meredith, where do we find out more about you online? Well, you can go to www.philadelphiatangoschool.com. Excellent. And there's a main menu on the left that will take you to so many different places. Mm-hmm. I have this radio show yeah. on Usala Media, which is a media network that launched in July. Mm-hmm. And they're striving to become an NPR, not just for Latinos in the U.S., mm-hmm. but for Spanish speakers throughout the world. All and right. it's actually a bilingual station. So okay. my show's usually in English, but there's also a lot of Spanish language programming. Mm-hmm. It's it's really wonderful what they're trying to do. Great. So people can tune into my show at uh, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays at 4 p.m. Okay. But there's so much great stuff to listen to on there. Just okay all the time and they'll also find information about my tour tango experience 2019 Mm -hmm. if they Mm -hmm. want to consider joining that and then everything about that's happening with the school here which is a lot (laughs) good so your radio show uh wednesdays at five and saturdays at four was it yes exactly in the eastern 
time in the US. Right? Yes, thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll have links to your website and to the radio show in my show notes so people can look you up and find out more about your tours, your lessons, and the Philadelphia Argentine really Tango School. That would be that. awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. And I look forward to meeting you. Yes, Meredith. I want to meet you uh, soon. Yeah. Just, just yes, so many we'll people, figure it out. So many amazing people I've met, and I want to meet them all in person. And I hope that that's, that's totally. going to be one of my, my own. It'll friends. happen. Yeah. <laughs> thank <laughs> okay, you so much Marita, take it easy have a great day and um yeah we'll keep in touch okay wonderful yeah take bye. care thank you yeah. again bye-bye all right wow she's had a very adventurous tango life wouldn't you say so there was a lot of great information in our chat i liked hearing about meredith's notation system that she and andres use and how much it focuses on forward side and back steps you know the same steps we learned on day one and that's a great way to start tackling more advanced figures and helps keep our thoughts organized. And I really liked what Meredith said about following. Now, she's very tuned into what's happening. She's very conscious about the steps she's being invited to do in the moment rather than being too intuitive. Now, some followers do prefer a more intuitive and meditative state of mind, and, and that's how they dance effectively in the moment. And I suppose that's okay since everyone's brain works differently. But regardless, the follower's role is not purely reactive. It's as active as the leader's role. I also like Meredith's thoughts on the changing perceptions of tango. It's becoming more accessible, and nowadays it's not seen so much as being stuffy and elitist. It's great that people are putting forth the effort to make tango more modern, and that's not easy. Organizers have to take advantage of every resource at their disposal. Location of tango venues, choosing music, graphic design when it comes to advertising, and knowing how to use technology or social media, and offering beginner-focused programs. And I think it's important to note Meredith's comments about tango and how it really requires focus. It's not an activity that's compatible with a consumer mindset. It's not a fad or a trendy thing we do before the next shiny object catches our attention. Tango has been intriguing people for over a century and there's a reason for that. So if you're new to tango, stick with it. It will lead to many meaningful adventures. Maybe not quite as crazy as the ones Meredith went through, but who knows. Uh, but before long, you will have some memorable stories to tell. So thank you again, Meredith, for your time, for what you're doing over there in Philly, and for sharing your thoughts. All right, and thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. I really appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, please take a second to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on iTunes, SoundCloud, or a number of podcasting platforms out there. And be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.